I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo, and we have we have just Eddie. It's Kevin Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Murray. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Vinson. Thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Sordo, Rowers Choice, and this is another podcast, and I'm doing multiple a week. I just did one the other day, and I did it with someone I knew. Now I'm doing it with someone I don't know. Now there's a lot of connections that we have. One of which is that we're from the same area. Okay, we're from the same part of the country, South Jersey. This little little area uh, between Oakcrest and Mainland. We were once rivals. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm with Asia Mahmoud. Okay, now she is the associate head coach of Drexel Rowing, and we're going to hear everything from the time she took her first stroke in South Jersey to the time she got her job in Philadelphia. Asia, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this. I am thrilled, actually, because there is a lot to your story that I really want to get into. But I do the same thing every single week, every single time. Where were you? How old were you when you took that first rowing stroke? Sure. I was definitely on Lake Lenape in Mays Landing, New Jersey. Um, And I got into rowing because my older sister, who's two years older than me, uh, was on the team. So I was getting dragged to the school when I was in seventh grade and she admittedly doesn't like sports, but thought like, Oh, got to have something on the resume before I start applying to colleges. <laughs> uh, and, and then she actually got a medal at Stoats. I don't know what category she was in, but she medaled at Stoats. And I was like, wait a second. She doesn't even like sports. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This was what? 2008 or nine. Um, this must've been, Probably, yeah, must have been, oh, wait. When did, you, when did you graduate? I graduated, actually, I graduated high school in 08. So maybe this was 2006. 2006? Yeah, maybe 06. So I think it was, I think it was the women's coxed four um, in 2006, because they were never in contention for the eights. So if it was Oakcrest in 06, I'm pretty sure it was the four. that she. I'll, I'll double check you, but I think she was in an eight. There's, I, it, it wasn't, wasn't one of the topics, but I think she was okay, in an eight. Okay. Okay. It could have been like a second eight. All right. I love it. <laughs> so you're seven years old. You're running around following your parents, following your sister. And then you decide that, Hey, you know what? I just want to start rowing. Yeah. I'm in middle school and I'm just like, okay, well maybe I'll join and um, row with her. Like, that'll be a great experience. You know, I'd love to, she was my idol, you know? So um but once I got to high school, she quit. <laughs> she, she figured it out, she's like, okay, I've got this figured out. You know, she, she had all of her applications in for college. Um, she was good to go. So I was- Where did, she go? Where did she go to college? She went to Boston University. That's a great school. That's a great yeah. school. Yeah. Uh, now your sister gets a medal. Did you get a medal? Did you win anything at Oakcrest when you were rowing there? I think I got a bronze medal in the JV8 my sophomore year at Nationals. You know, that's who was your coach back then? Uh, Dan Welsh, who's oh. at HT. Yeah, of course. Dan Welsh is is extremely well known yeah. <laughs> in the South Jersey area. So having so I graduated in 04 from Mainland. So there is there's no overlap between the two of us, right. but like South Jersey has been on a slow decline in competitive rowing, right? Like teams are cut down in half. Yeah. Um, 
So you said the only reason that you went into it was your sister and she just wanted to do it because she wanted to get something on her resume. Was that standard at Oakcrest? Was that kind of like a standard thing happening at the time? I mean, I think that they were just starting the rowing program when she went to high school. So um, I think it was just an opportunity to, you know, build yourself. The classes weren't terribly big. Like I think my graduating class was maybe 350. Sure. Um, and so like, it was really easy to be involved, you know, whether it was student council or sports, but sports were the predominating, you know, culture to, to try to be part of at school. So um, having failed miserably at a lot of other sports, <laughs> uh, I picked, I, I picked up rowing and uh, I thought I was okay at it. So I stuck with it. <laughs> Did you go to college to row? Did you continue that, that, that movement? Yeah, I did. Um, at, at that point, the coach, coach Welsh had transitioned and coach, uh, Vince Sarah, um, who's now the mayor of Brigantine, so still small <laughs> South Jersey, um, he was my coach my junior and senior year. Uh, and I think that it was really his passion about the sport that pushed me to even think that I could row in college. Um, I, I, I just felt like I wasn't at the same caliber as those women who were like in the varsity eight. My uh, junior year I think they got like second at nationals which was really cool and so I was like wow I, I really wanted to be obviously part of that but part of um, furthering my experience you know I just really loved it so much and and he uh, knew Paul Savelle and that's how the connection was for me to end up talking to Drexel in high school. You know and, and it's it, what's nice about Drexel in South Jersey is that it's just far enough away from parents but it's like a familiarity, right? Like, you know, the river, you know, the culture, you know, the people, um, by the way, my producer in my ear has confirmed your sister was in the girls junior eight at Oakcrest in 06. Okay. But Stotesbury doesn't go that far back on getting a result. So we gotcha. will eventually <laughs> figure this one out. <laughs> um, so you go to Drexel, you, you decide that you want to row for Drexel and, and, and you head up there. Was that a, was that a, I guess, how do I say this? Were your parents like really excited for you for that? Or were they pushing you to do something like Boston or somewhere further away or maybe, uh, maybe an Ivy League or something? Yeah, they weren't pushing one way or another. Um, if anything, I think they were like pushing majors. My sister was an engineer. Uh, so I had some big shoes to fill after she got, you know, a really great setup at, at BU. Uh, but I actually decided in April of my senior year. So I think at that point they were kind of stressed out. <laughs> you know, I just wanted, I, I, I was nervous that it was too close, but I knew it was kind of far, uh, just enough away from my parents. And, and I still wanted to be able to grow and develop, you know, not knowing too much about um, the landscape of collegiate rowing, but knowing I wanted to make an impact. Um, and actually one of the seniors from uh, my high school team when I was a freshman, went to Drexel. And I think that kind of had a, a big impact too. I, I really looked up to her and, and that was a helpful piece. So you're there, I mean, you're, you're there now, which is, I love the connection. Um, but what, that first year, was it was it a struggle getting get, going from a high school team um, to then be, I mean, Drexel is a nationally competitive program. Um, the volume is a lot harder. There's just, it's different. Was there any difficulty in that transition from high school to college? Absolutely. Uh, our first, yeah. our first practice, um, well, Lake Lenape is only about 1500 meters, right? So yeah. I'd only ever done so much during a practice. Um, and our first practice, we did a six mile run test. 
And so like, we go from the boathouse to St. Joe's. I'm like, I'm going to quit. <laughs> like this, is, <laughs> I cannot do this, uh, but I run back, you know, and, and then we get in boats and I think I was in a four and, and I rode a four. Uh, I, th- I, I started rowing in fours. So I have a love for the four and um, we got to the top of the river. We came back down and then uh, Paul said, spin it. And I was like, what? <laughs> not realizing just like how much more volume we were going to get in. So it was definitely a shock, but um, something that I was excited about kind of building on and just wanted to get better. You know, I, the, that, that group who was above us, the team was pretty small at that point. I want to say less than 20 when I got here. So it was really cool to kind of feel, you know, enculturated from a, a freshman year you know, when really kind of bought into where the seniors wanted the team to go, even though it wasn't there yet. So um, how much did you find any success uh, at Drexel rowing, like competing in big races? Um, I guess my highlights would be uh, winning the Davium the second eight my senior year. And that was one of that, the freshman eight and the second eight won that year. And that was the first gold medal at Dad Bills. Um, And then getting second at CAAs my senior year. So let so dad, dad Vils, uh, you and I share that commonality. We both we both have a medal from there that I medaled freshman eight um, in two thousand and five at Marietta, and I wish the Dad Vale was the same. It's not the same. Back then, when you when you and I were racing there, the crowds were insane. I mean, can you think back to that moment of crossing that finish line and feeling that energy? I mean, walk me through that that race. I I, I want to know how what happened. All right. Well, the, the, we were a really close boat and one of my best friends who I lived with, um, I wake up the morning, like of the final. Um, and we were, we were thinking like we were going to get the final. And so we, I wake up and I was like, you know, I had this dream that like, we were out on everybody. Like we just like tried to go and I don't know, like we, I, I just remember like in my dream, looking back and seeing bow balls at the bridge. And so like, we kind of laugh about it <laughs> and then head down to the boathouse um and and it just was so much more chaotic than that that day uh we had to share bow numbers so the freshman eight was like on the medals dock and we didn't have bow numbers to head up to the start and so we grabbed the bow numbers off the freshman eight when they get their medals and like all the way up to the starting line I'm like I'm sitting in two seats like I'm trying to pin the bow number on the back (laughs) of the bow seat as we're like in the starting blocks and we're in lane six um and, and we're like, okay, literally, as soon as I pinned it on, like the officials were like attention row. And so we're, we're just like, just go for it. You know, we're in lane six. It can't get much worse than this, you know? And sure enough, just like a dream, we get through strawberry mansion and we're a length open on everybody. Wow. <laughs> and I'm just I mean, like, it was, it was that crazy. Is, oh my God. Is there not a better feeling coming through that bridge being a length up? I mean, yeah, it was, it was incredible. And then, uh, I guess our coxswain like called us at a 40. <laughs> I was like, Oh, well, no wonder <laughs> we're going to run out of gas. <laughs> so we, we, we went from, uh, lengths open on the field to winning by a bow ball. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, oh, like, I don't know. I, what would you rather do? Would you rather win coming back on somebody or win by like, oh my God, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. Like, which, which would you rather have? Like, I'd always rather be up. (laughs) I'd rather be up. (laughs) So were your, were your parents, was your sister in the, in the crowd watching you get gold medal for Drexel? 
So here's the thing. They were there. They weren't at the grandstands. So I, pull, I don't know. I think they were like at the tent. Like, the, so that's like 250 meters away. So we pull up to the tent, like the, the grandstands. And like, I'm looking for my family and like my best friend who went to another, uh, went to Nova Southeastern. Um, her mom's there and she's crying because she sees me getting out of the boat. Um, and then like, eventually they meet me back at the boathouse, but it, it was kind of funny. They, they missed the finish. They, they just figured we won because we were up at 250. I, oh, you're up at 250. <laughs> I love I love parents. That, that that's happened to me so many times too. Like, parents don't know where to be, right? They like, who cares? Like, oh, she's fine, and it's like grand final. Be at the be at the finish line. <laughs> yeah. So okay, you get this gold medal. Was was the gold medal at Dad Bales a launching point for your coaching career? Did that like be like, oh, I want to keep doing this, and or like, at what point did you decide, hey, I want to make this a, a my profession? Um, well, the gold medal kind of left me hungry. You know, I, it went from like our freshman year, think not even just trying to make it to day two, you know, to being in a grand final and actually meddling that was full circle, you know, and so, uh, graduating and I graduated in four years, Drexel has a lot of five-year programs. So a lot of my friends were still in school. I just Mm -hmm. felt kind of empty graduating in four years and everybody else got to keep going. Um, and I hadn't exactly sorted out my life just yet. I had an opportunity to follow up from one of my co-ops that I had while at Drexel um, to work at a law firm. Um, but I was feeling not fully passionate about getting into the workforce yet. So I was gonna study to go to law school. I was working on the LSAT and that's when I moved back home and uh, Ocrest needed some help. Uh, my a former teammate who was on the men's team was actually the head coach at that point. He's like, hey, could you help out like a few days a week? And I'm like, okay, I can help like once or twice. And then once or twice turned into, oh, okay, I can come every day. And every day turned into, oh, okay, I'll be there on race days too. Um, and so I just I just loved being around them. Like junior rowing is, is my absolute favorite. I love being around them like a sponge. Uh, but also seeing that there, there hadn't quite, quite been that jump in terms of information and knowledge about the recruiting process. Like I felt like, there was such a distinct disadvantage compared to what they had. Like they had more internet access, you know, they could communicate with coaches more often. They didn't have to wait for snail mail, you know, and they were still kind of lost about the process. And I said, okay, well, how can I be an asset to this group? Um, and I wanted to share the knowledge that I had from my experience and make sure that they, they could get recruited. We found, we found that so much. Um, you know, I go back when I was in high school, like 2004, I had just got my first cell phone and it was like the Nokia like little thing. And I had no idea. I mean, if it wasn't for my father remotely knowing John Dan Carey from Marietta, I would not have gone to college. Like I would have done something else. And I was a lifeguard in South Jersey. And these are places that you and I both know we grew up with. And it was like this South Jersey environment. You just, you just wanted to get by and if you had the job of lifeguard and a firefighter or a lifeguard and a teacher, you were made forever, right? Like yeah. you were always, you were never leaving. And this recruiting process, I like that you realized that it was absent from the school. Like there were so many other places kids could go besides Drexel or besides Stockton or some of the local places. Mm-hmm. So you're, 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 you're coaching Oakcrest, you're studying for your LSATs. What happens next? Uh, so that was my first year. And then the second year that head coach left and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm invested in these young women. Now I'm going to, I'll, I'll take over until they can figure it out. So then I became the head coach my second year. 
and um, just just really found some success with that that varsity and then just the team as a whole I think at one point I was coaching everybody by myself and then two of my friends were able to help out who were also alums so it was just great to be able to pull them back in show that you know people cared about the program people cared about their success and I think I got like Atlantic County coach of the year which like shocked me it was like I didn't even know that was a thing like I didn't know anyone knew my name (laughs) um but was this 2014 I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Ian Tapp is one of my best friends and he was the coach of Ocean City Women uh, for many, many years. And I think it was like back in that era that he was coaching um, because he had left in 2019, I think. Does that name ring a bell to you? It does. It's familiar. If not me reaching out, then competing. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. Ian Tapp was the coach of Ocean City. Um, So, wow. 2014. Atlantic County coach of the, that, that's a big deal, by the way, for, for people that not, that are not from our area, like that's a big deal. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just, I just wanted to like, keep my head down, you know, like if I could ask people like things then I would, you know, like Ray D'Amico was so cool, you know, and, and everybody at the, at the prep, like they were like so kind to me and like my development. Um, in addition to everyone who was at Ocrest and, and everything else, like I just felt so supported in that environment. Sure. Um, it, it was just a really cool experience. Now, would you ever lean on Dan Welsh or some of the other coaches like in your past for, for questions or support when you were the head coach of Oakcrest? Um, I don't know if I ever reached out to coach Welsh, but I always knew I could, you know, yeah. I never felt like, um, they didn't want to see me succeed. You know, I, I think that, yeah. and even now when I call him, he's like, it's like, I'm the star. I'm like, no, no, you don't realize like the impact you had on my growth. You know, it's, it's just really cool to, to still be able to have relationships with those people. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, I, I, I so many of these older generation coaches are like, they put the spotlight on you because you are the success. You are the associate head coach of a college program. Like you're, you took everything that he taught you and you're going someplace with it. Um, I love that. Now, what happens after Oakcrest? Like, where, what what happens in this this six seven year period from 2014 to now? Yeah, so they had a great season, and then I then that's when I started getting ideas in my head. I was like, okay, if I can be, you know, Atlantic County Coach of the Year, like, how much of a bigger impact can I have on young women's lives other than just Oakcrest? You know, and that's when I started thinking about opportunities to be able to recruit and opportunities to, to move to that collegiate level. So I just started applying to anything and everything I could and um, ended up at Bucknell that following year. So Bucknell 2015. Yeah. And wh- how, what was that experience like? So actually, I think I got there like mid-year, you know, like it was like November. And so it felt kind of weird, you know, they had already been started. And I'm like, I was just like, again, trying to be a sponge. Like I've always just um, always tried to make myself feel like, you know, I belonged in the room. Like, even though I didn't feel like I knew half the things that Steve knew, I was like, okay, I'm just going to learn everything I can while I'm here. And he actually let me coach the second eight when I got there. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) It, It was just a lot of, a lot of awesome opportunities that have just been thrown at me. And, um, feeling like I, I'm always ready to receive an opportunity um, to make the most of it. So coach the second eight, they ended up getting second at dad bills, um, second in their conference that year. That was really cool. 
And what, uh, what do you what do you like better? Do you like crossing the finish line or watching your boat cross the finish line for that medal? Which one? What what do you feel? What's more impactful for you? I think it's gratifying to see the athletes cross the finish line. You know, like I know what that feels like, and I so deeply want that feeling for them. You know, to feel your hard work pay off, and to uh, to to feel like a star. I, what feeling what, what's a better feeling i mean yeah. <laughs> like a, like a superstar. Yeah. what uh how long are you in bucknell for um it was just for that one year and uh i think one of the drexel coaches was transitioning out and and we had some overlap racing drexel that year and uh, i think paul made the call and was like hey you want to come back <laughs> so it was kind of a no-brainer why was it a no-brainer just because you love drexel so much um, I love the city of Philadelphia so much. Obviously, I love Drexel so much. But um, after I graduated, that's when uh, the conferences became AQs for NCAAs. And I remember thinking like, oh, man, like if, if I could have won a CAA championship when I was an athlete, that would have meant the world to me. Hmm. I, I would love to go back and help these women win a, a CAA championship. So 2016, you, you go right 2016, 2017, you go right to Drexel. Yeah, I think it was the, it must've been the 15, 16 school year. 15, yeah. 16 school year. Yeah. Okay. So you get settled, you go back to your, you go back to your roots, right? You, 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 you're feeling good. Um, now I, I did read your bio that you, you ended up going back to school to get a law degree. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. Like I, that was, that was in the last two years, I guess I, I can't have like any idle time. Like I, I'm okay. always trying to fill it with something. So like every summer or during the year, like I want to learn something new. Um, every summer I'll go coach somewhere new or, or try to just build and develop myself. I, I just never want to get stagnant. Um, and so in that uh, same vein, I decided to get a master's degree in um, legal studies with a concentration in NCAA compliance and sports law. Okay. So Okay, can we just, I, I'm going to put you on a pedestal here because that is fucking ridiculous, right? You are, uh, I have a hard time raising a couple kids and running a business. Here you are raising young women at college, right? Because that's what you're doing. You're like, you're, you're sort of like a parent to them. You're helping them, you're educating, you're coaching. And then in your spare time, you're getting something that, that people only focus on when they have one thing to focus on. I mean, that's intense. That, that had to be so much reading, so much late nights. I mean, how do you do it? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot, you know, and um, I think I attribute that kind of mindset to my mother. She, whatever I would think of like doing something new, she would always say, time's gonna pass anyway. You know, wow. what, what are you gonna do with the time? It's gonna pass anywhere. You're gonna be happy that you did it or wish that you did it. So is it is is the is the idea that you'll stop rowing, stop coaching, and you'll use that you'll use that degree or or no? I don't know. You know, it's always nice to have something in your back pocket. You know, and and if I get bored again, maybe I'll do something else. But having <laughs> not gone to law school, I was like, okay, maybe I'll just like scratch the surface. I wanted I wanted to know that I could kind of do it. So and and what, it was a two year program. Yeah. Was it through Drexel? It was. Yeah. The so as a coach, you kind of, you probably get, 
I mean, it probably helped you financially, right? Like it wasn't. Oh yeah, Drexel has tuition permission. So, and it was like, why use use the opportunity, right? Like when when else am I going to get a, a master's degree essentially for free? So. And you did it during the pandemic. Is that is that when the you did second it? year of it? I I ended up graduating during the pandemic. So I think March of uh, May of twenty twenty is when I uh, officially graduated. <sighs> Well, hats off to you. You are way smarter than me. I love that. That is that is awesome. Uh, now, also in your bio, I know you did some uh, you did something really big this year, and I it, it might have been your first time, but you coached the Junior Worlds team this year. Yeah. Um, how how did you? Why did you decide to go after that job? Right, because that there's you have to apply for it. There's a lot of a lot of hoops and things you got to jump through. Like why sure. why do that? So like I said, I've, I'm always trying to stay busy. And I actually looked back through my email this summer just to check. And I think I had been like applying for like dormitory positions, you know, fill ga gas cans, like since 2015. Wow. Like I, since I started coaching collegially, I was like, okay, how do I get involved in this system? How do I see how these women work? What are, their coaches are doing a lot of great things in other places. Let me see if I can get something from them, you know, at camp. Um, and it never happened, but if, if you don't try, you won't get it, you know? So I yeah. just kept, <laughs> I just kept applying and reaching out and, um, and, and even through that course, you know, like doing coaching at Vesper at the U23 program, you know, doing my level two, doing my level three, um, certifications. And, um, I still don't know. And I haven't asked Casey why he decided to offer me the position and I don't plan to, <laughs> but uh, when he called me and was like, yeah, we'd love to have you on staff for the summer. And I, I was just like, great, you know? Um, but then when he said world, I was just like, oh, do you know who's on the phone? You know, do you have the right person? <laughs> you know? And I was just, just so thrilled to be able to work with uh, a world's boat. It was, it was a great opportunity that I'm immensely thankful for. Uh yeah, so they, I, I don't understand this sport. I've been doing this now for 23 years. And I don't know why people don't do this. Like you won, you coached a, a crew to gold at Worlds. Like you were the coach to get them to jive together, to come together, to win a gold medal. And that didn't come out of your mouth. I'm the one saying that, hey, guess what? You, you won a gold medal. Like, <laughs> is, is that just not the highlight of the summer for you? I mean, goodness gracious, you won it. You got your team to win a gold medal. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the highlight was the experience overall too, right? Like, I think I was the only one on staff that had never competed in a, on the junior team or had coached the junior team before. Like, again, I just wanted to feel like I belonged in the room. You know, I wanted to try to grab what I could from everybody. And, um, I just felt so empowered, you know, by the opportunity and uh, the, the women that I worked with were just so high caliber. And I felt like really bought into the things that, you know, we were trying to do as a junior system and then, you know, getting to the boat, the way that we prioritized everything, they just, they just bought in, even if uh, maybe I made some choice decisions that other people <laughs> wouldn't have made to select that boat. I think it was, it worked out. What, uh, who was in the boat? Who was, who was, who were the five women in the boat? Oh, awesome. Um, in the stroke seat, I had Julia Veith. She was actually from White Marsh. She started with the scholars and then 
she was like an 04 um, birth year. So she got another opportunity to try out the sweep and was like, okay, let's see it. Philly bread. So <laughs> she's got to be good. Um, Jane Cox, uh, she, I think she rode for, I forget who she wrote for, but she's a uh, USC now. Um, and she just like from day one of camp, like she was like so gung ho, like shouting during pieces, like lots of great energy. I was like, okay, probably have to have her somewhere, you know, um, Imogen Cabot, she was six, three, you couldn't miss her. Um, just great personality, great person. And then Quincy Stone and Val, uh, out of Marin. Um, and the thing we love about Quincy is like, she had never raced before worlds. And uh, that was her her first uh, competition. So we, we that, made it like a little that, bit of a trip. How's that? How's that? Possible? So she ended up it ended up being like during the pandemic. You know, like her her time got cut short. So um, she her road she just hadn't raced. And just if you if you met her and knew her, she's just a phenomenal athlete and just has like the the right mindset. And uh, she was awesome. She was awesome to throw in Val. Who was and the then, um, Victoria Greider. She was out of Oars, and now she's at Rutgers. Yeah, uh, I love I, I love it. The names Quincy, Imogene, like <laughs> Julia J. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, I love the Philly connection too. That, that's uh, that's pretty badass. Uh, I won't lie. Like, yeah. and you knew you're like I'm going to throw in stroke seat. She's going to be a she's a tough cookie. She takes no shit from anybody. And it's like, she's like Rocky. She's like Rocky Balboa. You know, oh, literally, not? we're doing like seat racing for the four. We've got three fours across. She's like, hold on, coach. My, my contact fell out. You know what? Actually, I'm good. I'll do it with one eye closed. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. How do you not, how do you not know? You're like, I would say that moment, we're winning everything. We are not losing. <laughs> we're not gonna lose. This girl has no contacts. We're, who cares? We're winning. Um, yeah. What was, um, what was your sort of, how did you get the team to glue together, right? I like, I, I've, I've coached at a somewhat national level one time and there's so many personalities. There's so many different styles of strokes, right? You had four women from four different styles of rowing, four different coaches, plus a coxswain. How did, what did you do? What, what did you specifically do for that boat? Um, well, as a group, we all wanted to be able to interchange the athletes pretty easily. So, uh, Mike Gordon and I were all on the same page about the stroke that we were looking for. Um, and the things they heard me say the most probably are like, get your body set early, complete the stroke, fill the blade. You know, like I, I really try to keep it simple. And those are three things that they probably heard at nauseam this summer. And um, I think that at camp we would do like trot, like tests run two Ks for the whole group. I think the first time they did it, they were like 98% to gold medal standard. And after they heard that, they were like, oh, okay, let's, let's go get it. Wow. I mean, I don't, I, I have found some success in my career in rowing, but to be one of those five women, knowing you're that close to gold standard, that had to be the most intense ego driven, but also just fun experience of their lives. I mean, how often does something like that come together in our sport? Yeah, I don't think it, I mean, it's, it's really rare, you know, to, for me, one, to find 
people that are coming from such different backgrounds and buying in so quickly, like they only have so much time, right? And then to know that they have to rely on each other to get this, this standard. And then every day we're just trying to get, you know, 1% better, you know, like we're, we're not trying to, we're not trying to get gold today. We're trying to get gold when we go to worlds, you know, let's just be a little bit better every single day and, and kind of stay, um, you know, level-headed. I think that eventually like their, their excitement was off the wall, but I'm pretty stoic in my behaviors day to day, especially at practice. And then it kind of rubbed off on them. We made a joke of it. Like they were like, so like even keel when we got there, like, uh, and they raced last, like racing's going and they had the heat and the final and, and they're the last bit, the, the last boat to get on the water from the U S. So they were just so hungry and ready to go. So, you know, you've said it multiple times, you're like a sponge and, um, some, I mean, it's so obvious, like you're what early thirties and it's so obvious that you've picked up a lot of the, the good and the bad from coaches, your entire, your entire career. Cause like, I, I, it sounds like I'm talking to somebody who's been doing this for 20 years, <laughs> not someone that's been doing this for eight years, um, nine years. So how did you get this job that you have now? Like, how did that, how did that come to be? Um, I mean, I think that I, I really do think Paul, who's the director of growing here, he's, um, well, one believed in me tremendously since I was an athlete, you know, but also believed in my ability as a coach and, and has always wanted to give people opportunities, you know, and, and so, um, when the former first assistant left and we were looking to hire someone else, I like, I walked up to him. I was like, I want to coach the top two popes. <laughs> I, I, I really want to work with them, you know, and he's like, okay, you know, like, we'll, we'll see how, how things work out. And, and I just, again, I always just want to run with an opportunity. And so um, he's really, really been great toward my career. And for, even from letting me go over to worlds during the summer, you know, like summer is all about recruiting, you know, and, and trying to balance both hats and things. Um, yeah. I, he's just been really helpful towards my, my growth. He's, he's always asked me like, you know, what do, what do you want next? And always kind of help me get there. What is, what does the title mean associate head coach? Like, it, because it, it, you, the associate means something. What does that mean? Um, you know, I feel like it means a lot of things, you know, but for me, it always means like backing up Paul, you know, like it, no matter what we do, we're, we're, we're still a team and we're going to, you know, lead. If, if he's not around, I'm, I'm leadership, you know, um, I do a lot of like the day-to-day -day ops, like we don't have an ops director, you know, uh, we, I help delegate, you know, the stuff among the men's and the women's staff, you know, I help make him, help him make decisions, talking to fundraisers and, and things like that. So I, I've just got kind of every hat on at this point. So do you think that there's a chance that, I mean, with a world's gold, doing well at Drexel, like the opportunities, opportunities are going to be coming. Um, do, do you, I mean, you're there now. I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, put any words in your mouth, but like, there's a very good chance that you could be going somewhere else. Like, do you have the aspirations of taking it elsewhere? Maybe like going to maybe larger programs, maybe more competitive NCAA programs, or are you just really happy where you are? You know, I, I think about it on both fronts for sure. You know, I, I never want to, say no to an opportunity. Um, but I really do want to see these women get to NCAAs. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this spring 
and seeing what we do there and uh you know always always ready to grow but i i do love it here while i'm here what uh what advice do you have for the the high school coaches the young women even young men out there that want to make coaching a career because you you've 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 taken your time, right? You you had a couple of years at Oak Crest, then you moved into uh, that you were at Bucknell and then Drexel. Like, what advice do you have for them? Make it who want to make this a career. I think first is thinking that coaching can be a career, right? No one no one ever said to me, you know, like, oh, you'd make a great coach, or oh, like coaching is we need more female coaches in rowing. Like no one ever said that. And it never crossed my mind, especially after going to school for four years and realizing, like, oh crap, I'm in love with something else. You know, like you're a little scared to make that transition. But um, I think that I would tell them like, you can be a coach, you know, and all you really have to do is make the connections and put the time in. You know, if you're willing, if you're willing to work for it, then, then you can get there. Last question. Because I, 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 there's there's a wealth of knowledge here. I think this is incredible. Um, someone tells me you're a huge sports fan, like really really big sports fan. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, you know, maybe the Phillies. Like, like how big of a sports nut are you really? Because I, I just I need to hear it from you. Like, are you a diehard? I mean, growing up in South Jersey, I am a diehard Philly sports fan. You know, but. Uh... I, I try to keep that under wraps, you know, I, I definitely don't, don't talk about them uh, all, all day, but yeah, I, I definitely keep a pulse on everything that's going on. I've only not been to a Flyers game. I've been to everything else. You haven't been to a Flyers game. That's surprising. I mean, that's very yeah. surprising that you would have bought, not have been to one of those games. Yeah, it's on the list. I'll get there. So um, I, it's, I wasn't like, I think he's been on the team now for three weeks, maybe two weeks, James Harden, 76ers. Uh, I actually watched that game last night. I, I, uh, so I like, I, I erg at night and uh, I pop the game on because you know, it's the Knicks, right? It's the Knicks at 76ers. Yeah. James Harden, I think is so perfect for that team. Do the 76ers oh, yeah. have a shot? Do they have a shot this year? Oh man. I mean, I feel like they do, you know, I, he's, it's, it's like getting a new coach on staff or getting a transfer or something like it gives you kind of juice, you know, <laughs> like people get excited to rally around that. And of course, who wouldn't be excited about James Harden, you know, top player, all yeah. left shooter, all that stuff, you know, <laughs> everyone would want to see that. And, and Philly, Philly sports fans are going to be going crazy, you know, so I would, I would be, love to see them go. I think they're third in the East right now. Um, they've won three in a row. Um, that game last night got me excited to watch 76ers basketball again. Like when I, when you and I were growing up, it was Allen Iverson and I would go like every third week up there to watch those guys play. And now yeah. they got hardened. I mean, it's, <laughs> this, this could be a, this could be Philly here. Maybe this could be something big. Who knows? Yeah. A lot of energy going towards it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. Now I had such a great time uh, learning about you uh, and anyone who wants to learn more about Drexel rowing, we're gonna have links everywhere for you to get in touch. Um, I guess, is it safe to say uh, that they go to you for recruiting or are they gonna go to Paul? Like who's the point of contact for future rowers at Drexel? Um, they could, I mean, I'm on the women's side, you know, Paul does both sides. So, I mean, if, and if you talk to Paul, you end up talking to me, 
anyway. So <laughs> I love that family environment. I love that. I like I like that you you hand it off to one another. Anyway, thank you for being here. This was I, I love learning about your career, and I can't wait to see what happens in the next couple of years because I have a feeling that you're going to be going back to Worlds again and getting a gold medal for us in the future. Everyone tuning in, we are close to 100, I don't know, at some point, uh, podcast this year. If you want to learn more about Drexel, we'll have links everywhere. Thank you for tuning in.